We're going to take a look at God's love. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. When we read through it, I'm going to skip around, kind of like I did a little bit last week. Um, So hopefully you'll be able to keep up with me. I think the screen on this computer is bigger than the first TV my family ever had. (laughs) Somebody said it was blocking the view last week. It might have been a little bit of a distraction, but... I have attention deficit disorder, and it's helping me focus, guys. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a good thing. My wife has really been helping me with this. Um, I want to bring you up a little bit on another update, another milestone that we've hit in evangelism this year. It has to do with ESL. ESL is English as a second language. We have Ed and Bernie Wong started with me a little over two years ago, two and a half years ago. We've uh, brought Kevin Strau on. He's been teaching on Thursday nights with Susan Tunison. And our latest com- that's come along with us is Beth Gardner. She brings a lot of joy and enthusiasm to the class. The milestone that we've hit, two actually, is that we offer uh, four classes in English as a Second Language and Citizenship. So we've grown from one to four classes in two and a half years. The other thing is the biggest milestone that I just, I'm so excited about is that we've had countries from Argentina to Zimbabwe attend our classes, come on campus to Valley Bible Church, and over half of the students that have come have never been on a church campus and definitely have not been to our church. So we've, the milestone that we've hit is we have 20 different countries that people have come from around the world just to land at Valley Bible to take some ESL classes so that Christians can show them some love and hopefully show them the love of Christ and maybe change their eternity forever. What's really incredible is this week, um, a couple of you talked to me, texted me, sent me messages, and said that you joined the 30-day challenge. Read Romans 8, the great chapter of Romans 8, every morning for 30 days. Just read for seven and a half minutes and then pray for seven and a half minutes. One, one family even brought an uncle and some others together, and they're meeting as a, as a corporate family to uh, pray and read through God's Word. I know that as they f- get fed, they're going to be entering into those awe places, that place where you've read God's Word, you've worshipped Him in prayer, and then all of a sudden you're in the awe of God's Spirit moving in your life. So go ahead and join us on that 30-day challenge. Read the great chapter of Romans 8 every morning for 30 days, just seven and a half minutes, and then pray for seven and a half minutes, and then let's testify to see what God does in our lives. When we look at the end of chapter 3, um, John is trying to tell us that, he is, that God has given us his spirit. God has put his seed within us. Now that with his seed we have become a new creature, a new creation. I really believe that John is setting up from chapters 1 through 3, telling us that we've seen Jesus in the flesh. We've heard him. We've testified that we know that he is God, that he is God's Son sent from the Father above, and that we have been given his Holy Spirit within us because of chapter 4. He's telling us at the beginning of chapter 4, test the spirits. So last week, title of the sermon basically was the acid test. How do you know if somebody is teaching the Word of God? How can you test that? Well, here John, at the end of chapter 3, is telling you that you're filled with God's Spirit. 
with the testimony of God's Spirit teaching you all things. When false doctrine comes up, you should be able to identify it. You should be moved within your spirit to say, I need to check that out. I need to be like the Bereans, and I need to see if Paul is telling us the truth, I'm going to look at Scripture. So the acid test would be the Holy Spirit within you and the proof of the Scriptures. That's how you know you're being taught the Word of God. Today's title, um, God's Standard of Love. God's gold standard of love. I wanted to continue that gold theme because we're talking about what kind of gold? 24 karat gold, right? (laughs) Pure gold. Pure gold. This is the standard of love. you got to understand the standard of love that God showed and demonstrated towards us so that you can have a full understanding of your place in Jesus Christ. John's saying, I'm writing this so that you will know. And he says, no, or come to the knowledge in 1 John numerous times, over and over and over again. He tells you, God's love, love one another, no. We are in a series called In the No, because as a Christian, with God's Spirit in you, and this book right here called the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, we can be in the no. When you are in the know, you have no doubt. Isn't that amazing? When you don't know, there can be a whole lot of doubt, right? I don't know if driving on bald tires on the freeway when it's pouring down rain is going to kill me. So I'm young and don't know, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. It takes somebody to inform you that that's a dangerous situation Don't do it. Now you're in the know, and you know what the danger is. When you have great tires on your car, and it's all tuned up, and you take Dad's keys, and you start driving it in the rain on the freeway, Dad is telling you, I've got all-weather tires on there. I've got that tuned up. You're going to be safe. The key thing Dad would say is, but be safe, (laughs) right? Drive with caution, son, even though you have everything that you need to make it on that journey. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Test the spirits that are coming your way. John wants you to test the spirits because people are lying about God. People are lying about God's love. People are telling you something totally different than what the scriptures have to tell us. They're telling us Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Jesus is not God. Those are lies that will subvert your faith or take you away from Christ. John wants wants to say, look, test this, because right now I'm going to show you what this standard of love is. What we're going to look at here in um, the gold standard, the standard of God's love towards us. Um, Number one, we'll look at what God's love looks like. We'll look at our response to what this love does within us, love our brothers. Um, And three, we're going to look at what this confidence gives us. What is this confidence that we can have? Okay, we got this love of God. We understand it. Now what does that do in our lives? You got to right now take away and get rid of everything you know about love. 
you got to take it out and just set it aside. Because many of us come in here with a distorted knowledge of love. I'm one of them. I was talking with the pastor, and I was telling him that doing this study has been marvelous on my soul. Understanding God's love. Because even though I've, I've grown up in church, I've loved God. I've wanted to know him. I, I, I think I got an understanding of this love. And I know that I shouldn't apply what my understanding of, of my father's, my dad on earth, earthly father's love towards me shouldn't be applied to God. But you know what? There's still some in the back of my mind that treats it that way. The number one thing that has plagued me is God is love. God is steadfast. God will be there to the end. But you know what? He could still abandon me. He could still abandon me. It's what's going on in the back of my mind all of the time. John is writing this letter so that you will know he will not abandon you. This is not the kind of love that's being demonstrated towards you. You can come in here broken from relationships, broken from children leaving, not wanting the God that you want, broken from your parents leaving you, treating you in, in, in a horrible way, people around you treating you this way or that way, abusing you, taking advantage of you. But that is not the standard of love. We have to see and understand the standard that God demonstrates towards us. God wants us to love. He wants us to love our brothers. He wants us to love because we are in a family. What dad wants his child to hate his other child? To be angry towards his other child? One of the biggest things that, that, that just gets on my nerves the most you're driving in the car, and your kids are fighting in the back seat. Doesn't that drive you nuts? <laughs> John is writing saying, love your brother. Quit fighting. Quit arguing. Quit bickering. And this is the reason why. Let's look at this love that God has for us. We need to take off, I would say, um, our distorted glasses of love and put on the glasses of love that John is describing that comes from God right here. It's a, it, I love this. John says, we write these things, 1 John 1, 4, to make our joy complete. I write these things to you who believe so that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. Oh, let's see. 1 John 4, here we go. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is incredible. The biggest thing that stood out for me here and I know got most of the theologians in here are going to get me for this one. But the one the thing that stood out for me the most right here is that we might live. If you are a child of God, 
God wants you to know that you will live through Christ. There's a promise and a hope of a future in your life. And God has already paved the way for it. He's paid the total cost to build that road for your salvation. He's done everything for you and is willing to pull you up by your hands and set you on that road to salvation. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the son of God and commit your life to him. This is what stood out to me, that we might live. The powerful thing in here is that he gave his son, right? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. This love, you can read the verse back here while, while I'm talking. <laughs> This love was a great action of God. He saw us in our desperate need, our separation. Not only were we separated from God, we were considered bitter enemies of God. Not only were we separated from God, but we were shackled and chained by the sins that encompass us, that entangle us, that overpower us. And God said, I will take action because my creation cannot do it for himself, for herself, and I will send my son into the world. This is the best part. That you might live through Christ. Everything that God has done, everything that God is doing, did you know is for you to know and to have the confidence that you will live. If you guys came in this morning doubting God's love, if you guys came in this morning wondering where am I, where is God, what's the purposes of life, we want you to know that God has a love for you so high, so big, so deep, and so wide that he sent his love by sending his son that you might live the gold standard of love. God demonstrates his love. God is demonstrating his love in your life. He's demonstrating his love in your life because he first took action. We love God because he first loved us. Have you guys, man, I just look around. I come from a super dysfunctional family. It's just, it's just crazy. It's the loony farm, man. It, there's a lot of good stories that come out of it, but when you take and you look at, I look at all the relationships in my life, I had to win their love. I don't feel my dad just loved me. I don't feel my mom just loved me. I don't feel my brothers just loved me. I'll tell you what, I know my wife didn't love me, I had to win her love, didn't I? Almost everywhere in your life. Now, you may have grown up with a great family. Mom and dad loved you, and you understand being loved. And therefore, you loved them. So you're getting the concept. They loved you. Now you love them. I asked the kids the other day. I said, our next-door neighbor, a great guy, he's a dad. He is a dad. 
Do you call him daddy? No. They don't call the next door neighbor guy daddy because he hasn't demonstrated that love to them over the years that I've demonstrated to them. They do not love him like they love me because I first loved them. Now, in my own relationships, in my own life, I feel like everyone around me, I have to win their love, their approval, their affection. I have to do all the work. So this concept of God loving me first is a wow. There's someone who actually loved me before I had to win their affection, before I had to win their love, before I had to prove my loyalty. Here is a God who loves you before you even knew him. While you were yet enemies of God, God sent his son. Wow. Man. That's awesome. That's incredible. God loved you first. He loved you first. You didn't have to go out and win his love. You didn't have to prove how good you are, how perfect you are. As a matter of fact, all you had to do was say, I know how imperfect I am. I know how much sin is in my life. I know that I really don't love you, God. That's all you had to do. You didn't have to win his love and affection. But by admitting those things, he's willing to say, hey, come to me. Come to me. I'll forgive you of all of those sins. I'll wipe the slate clean. I'll wipe it clean. And I'll build a relationship with you by putting my Holy Spirit in you, by giving you a love letter that will sustain you through this journey of life. This is a love that takes action. It's a steadfast love. It's a steadfast love because God made a commitment to send his son before the creation of the world. Before you were born, before anybody knew your name, he decided to do this, and now he's decided to be steadfast, to complete the good work that he started. He's going to finish the job. We are talking about a God who is steadfast and will complete the job that he has started in you. He will complete it because of his love and because of his name. It's amazing, though. He sends his son into the world. He sends his son into the world to be a propitiation, to be an atoning sacrifice. He sends his son into the world to, why would he need to do that? Why would he need to send his son to be a propitiation, an atonement, a sacrifice for us? Because of our sin and our separation from him. See, in the, in the true essence of the gospel, you cannot understand the full amount of God's love unless you understand who God is. Then you can survey the heavens and understand the heights of that love, but you really still haven't got the full picture of that love until you understand the depths of his love and how far he's come down to get a hold of us to change our lives, to bring him to himself. See, he had to reach down to us because our sins were taking us to a place that Jesus says is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our sins were taking us to hell. Our sin is destroying us and it has already destroyed our relationships with God. 
But God is saying, I'm willing to reach all the way down and humble myself and send my son as that propitiation. The propitiation, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's my uh, cue to land the airplane. This morning it went a little bit long on um, our agenda, but let me tell you this much what a propitiation is. The propitiation is an atoning sacrifice that reconciles. Now that really made sense, right? <laughs> Reconcile means to bring back together two parties that are separated at enmity with each other. So it's reconciling. The atonement is the payment for sin. The atonement is the actual payment that's being made. The propitiation in that atonement, in that sacrifice, Jesus hanging on a cross is bearing the full weight of God's anger and wrath towards the sins in our lives. He is bearing the full wrath. God exhausts his wrath on Jesus Christ for us. Wow. He exhausts all of the wrath and anger for every sin that you've committed and will commit in your life as his child. It is paid in full. Last week I said that's when Jesus said, it is finished. God's wrath was completely poured out on him, and he was able to give up his life at that point when he had made the complete payment for sin, bearing God's complete wrath for us. We have a, a big job we're going to be moving to today, but I just want to cover a couple more points. We're going to shoot through here. What we need to understand is the greatness of God's love. When we come to that knowledge, I want you to know, those who believe, know that they have salvation in Jesus Christ. We want to jump down to um, verses... Uh, 16 and 17 here. You have an awesome God. In 1 John 3, 1, it says that he lavished his love on us. This is lavish. It's your birthday, and I bring you a gift. And that gift is coming in a U-Haul. But that's not enough. Now I have an 18-wheeler following that U-Haul, and that's not enough. I have two more 18-wheelers following that U-Haul to bring you a gift for your birthday. That is God lavishing his love on you. He paid the penalty for your sins. He made that atoning sacrifice through his son. He gave the penalty he gave the thing that needed to be paid. He paid the cost, but he paid so much more. He paid the ultimate cost. He gave everything that he could give for that atoning sacrifice. Don't you want to believe a God like that? Don't you want to trust a God like that? Don't you want to surrender to a God like that? Don't you want to obey a God like that? Because he has loving you as his goal. Letting you know that you are totally and completely loved. That he lavishes his love on us. That he gives the ultimate payment that nothing else, no one else could pay. The payment that needed to be paid. And he paid so much more for it. 
that he obliterates the sin in our life, completely demolishes it, and it's no more ever going to be recollected against you again for eternity. Let's read this. God is love. Now, one thing you want to know, there's a lot of love going on in this. And when we first started this series, I had counted up, I think there's 43 times in 1 John it says love. 21 times in my section, I think it is. I said, let's not make this an all syrupy love guy. We can't just be preaching love, 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 love. It's just all love, just all syrupy. Oh, oh. there's a love that's that way. That God has an intense love for each of his children. But his love also corrects. His love also corrects. It admonishes. It teaches. It disciplines. We got to understand that kind of correction and that kind of discipline to understand this part of this section of this, of this message. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Do you need confidence on the day of judgment? Yes. And this is our confidence. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ. Our confidence is a God who lavished us with love, who lavished us with the greatest sacrifice, the greatest payment that ever can be paid. And now we're trusting and believing in this guy that he'll complete the good work that he started in you. I have confidence. Therefore, in a day of judgment, I don't have to worry. If judgment is coming and you're standing there saying, I don't have to worry, it's either cockiness and pride or you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. When that judgment comes, we won't need to be ashamed. You may have sinned that morning, that day before you meet Christ, 10 seconds before you went. Hopefully you don't. John says, I write this so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer that's not being paid. He's not being paid. He's acting as an advocate for us because of this great love for us. And we are forgiven of all of our sins. And we're cleansed so we can have a right standing before God. So in this day of judgment, you don't have to worry. You can stand there with confidence. We stand here. It goes on to tell us we stand in this world will stand on that day of judgment like Christ. You are standing here today as Christ stands here today before his God without sin. That is your position right now on earth, standing before God. You are standing there without sin in his eyes. John says, I write these things so that you don't sin. We don't want to sin. We want to show our love for a God that loves us like this. We also want to demonstrate our love. Because God loved us so much, it goes on in here to tell us that we should love our brothers. Start with loving the first brother. 
the first brother. You start loving him. You start loving the first brother, Jesus Christ. You start loving him, your elder brother, your big brother, the one who sticks up for you, the one who watches out for you. Start loving him. Start knowing him by reading the word of God, by reading your scriptures and knowing who that big brother is and loving him. And as you love God, as you obey God, it's a simple thing to just start loving your brother. It's hard to love my brother, isn't it? Man, I just said it's simple. It is simple. It is simple. Forgive your brother. Forgive him. Why? Because God's forgiven us of so much. Then after you forgive in your heart, if someone's wronged you, then take action like Jesus did. Act like your older brother and take that action. If we live like Christ... Oh, I can't do it. It's too big of a job. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. You've been given his Holy Spirit. His Spirit indwells you. You've been given scriptures as a manual through this journey of life. And you have God advocating for you, letting you know that you are loved. Love your brother. I know we're running super late. We want to get this moving. I have a video I want to show you that demonstrates God's lo- or our love for a brother. You guys can cue that up. Two, three. The Bible is the word of God. <laughs> Where did you learn that? The Bible is the word of God. Wow. Did you learn that at church? Yes. Wow, that's very true. Did Pastor Ron teach you that? Yeah. Yeah? Mr. Ron, the Bible is the word of God to Mr. Ron. Mr. Ron, you like Mr. Ron? Yes. He's nice, huh? He's going to eat your five, go to playground today. <laughs> playground today? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You had a lot of fun at church? Yes. Okay, that's good. You guys know Mr. Ron? <laughs> he teaches our three-year-olds right over here. That's Mr. Ron. That's on a YouTube clip. Let me tell you um, real quick. Chipper is a pastor over in the Antioch area. He's uh, one of Deborah's cousins. He just bought a hotel in the process of buying a hotel, and he's going to use it as a discipleship center. He's bringing people up off the streets, and he's training them and discipling them in Jesus Christ. This one gal that's helping him out, when I was over there seeing what's going on, she came out and is talking about her commitment to that, to that ministry and what she does in that ministry. She's been working with him for about two years. But prior to those two years, she's on the streets. She says, I grew up in a good Christian home. She said it again, I grew up in a great Christian home. We went to church. I got straight A's in high school. I went to a Christian college. At the Christian college, I was introduced to drugs on our Christian campuses. Sins everywhere. Sins everywhere. Satan wants to destroy you. While she's in, in this, she's, the drugs, the scene, everything that that has to do is, is just killing her. It's just killing her. She winds up at a hospital. She gets released, nowhere to go. 
Chip and his team founder started talking with her, brought her in, gave her a place to stay, teaching about Jesus Christ. When you look at her, some of her teeth are missing. Her hair is messed up. You can see life and sin just worn on her body. You look at her and you think, no one would want her. No one would want that gal. No one would want her. But I got to tell you right now, I saw my daughter in that. And I'm going to tell you, if my daughter goes through that, I want her back. This woman has a daddy in heaven who wants her back. You have a God who loves you and wants that relationship with you. Call upon the name of the Lord. We're going to have the kids come in, and they're going to start come in and sing us a song to send us off. But don't get up after they're done, because after they're done, we're going to pass out the maps to you. So hold on for, for a second. Um, my wife's coming, so hold on a second here. <laughs> Holy Father, uh, we're amazed by the love that you've demonstrated towards us. We thank you that you have a steadfast love. We thank you that you have a committed love. We thank you that you said that you've put so much in your commitment towards us. You put so much in to paving a way for our salvation. You said you will complete the good work that you started, and you will bring us to rest before you in your kingdom when this life is done. We say we sing your praises. We thank you for who you are. We want to love you. I ask that you'll help us to love our brothers and our sisters around us and that our love for you will continue to grow and burn bright as noonday stars. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I pray that you'll bless us today as we go out and put out 15,000 fishing hooks into this community that we might be able to share the love of Christ with those around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.